Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Katie. I'm Mel. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Baby Driver, directed by Edgar Wright and released in 2017. The plot of the movie goes something like this. A young getaway driver is lured back for one last heist. (laughs) One last heist movie. That's a rare and unusual thing for a heist genre. Never, ever seen that before. Nope. Um, So, yeah, just in our quick spoiler-free section, um, I think we disagree on this movie. Oh, yeah, I do too. I actually don't think people need to see this. I was quite disappointed, I've got to be honest. The reviews on this have been amazing. Um, The stunt driving in the trailer, I was just like completely fell for. And I've got to be honest, it's really good in the movie. But I just didn't love this. I loved the stunts. I loved the stunt driving. I enjoyed the sound mix and the sound edit. Uh, but the soundtrack. The, in the soundtrack even. But I just didn't love the movie. I, I, I just didn't find it compelling. I don't think Ansel Elgort is a very good lead. We've talked about this before, about him not being particularly charismatic. And You mean he is where charisma goes to die? I don't want to be that mean, but he's just not a I compelling will. lead. And neither is Lily James, who's supposed to be his sort of female opposite number. And I didn't – so I didn't find, like, him particularly I, – I didn't really get sucked into his journey at all. And his journey goes to some really messed up places. And so I just couldn't – yeah, couldn't fall for this movie. His journey does go to some really messed up places. I actually did – I liked it a lot. I think it was miscast in a lot of places. But I liked the writing. I liked the stylized dialogue and I liked the stylized aesthetic of it. And I liked the soundtrack. There were lots of things I really liked about this movie, and for me, it was enough to get me over the line. Um, the stunt driving is amazing. The parkour running sequences that are great. Is so good. And Ansel Elgort does a really good job. Um, Angel Elvira is fantastic. Um, in, in the stunt scenes. In the scenes. stunt scenes. But um, yeah, there are definitely problems that I have with it. Mm. I feel like you could make this a really amazing movie if you just did a little, a couple little tweaks to it. Yeah. Mostly in the casting department. Um, in the casting area. I, I was I would want to tweak the script as well. I didn't think the script was particularly good. I, I actually quite liked the script in most places. I think it was the acting that let the script down. Um, um, I think if you had better actors, some of the lines that don't work as well would have played better because when you had good actors doing them, I thought they were really good. So I just think it was poorly cast. I think the major problem that I had with it was the casting. Mm. So, yeah, I, I do think you should go see it with some caveats, but – and and I don't think it's as great as a lot of people that <laughs> I know seem to think it is. But on like a lot of levels, this works really well, and it is it's compelling enough that I need to go to to go to the bathroom for two full thirds of this movie, <laughs> and I didn't go because I wanted to see what would happen next, um, because I wasn't sure what was going to happen next, and that's really interesting to me as a movie where I don't know where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know what was going to happen, and that's actually quite unusual for me. So, on that level, I did really enjoy it, and I think it's worth watching. Okay. So, we'll st- sound the spoiler warning now. And so, if you haven't seen Baby Driver and plan to, uh, stop the podcast now and come back after you have. So, yeah, I just – I was I don't know. I think I'm just disappointed. And I've really liked Edgar Wright in the past. Hot Fuzz is, like, probably in my top five movies I love of Hot all Fuzz. time. God, that's easily like, his best movie to me. Like, I love that movie. Like, really, genuinely, it's one of my favourites. And I really like Scott Pilgrim as well. And I enjoyed um, I enjoyed Shaun of the Dead and I quite liked um, – At World's End. At World's yeah, End, which was – neither this. of us – loved it yeah but it was too slow to get going if yeah, i remember correctly yeah. at world's end like really slow um, to get going but i liked the um barbie aliens yeah it just or, didn't 
droids. I yeah, I, and I think he was trying to do something interesting with this. And I know I, I know that there's a great backstory of him. He had this story and he's been trying to get it made for seven years and all this kind of stuff. But I'm also kind of like maybe this would have been great seven years ago, but it kind of I, – I, I, don't, I don't know what's gone on in the, in the interim, but my tastes have changed. I think the like movies are a bit different nowadays. I uh, don't know. I mean, people love this movie, so. Yeah, I, I, it feels like a throwback to me. Like the, particularly with like the really thin roles written for women and like yeah I the, don't like that but at the same time I don't know if they would have been this thin if they were played by better people and true. Th this is what I it's mean possible. like I think John Hamm and Kevin Spacey are the strongest actors in this movie and when Kevin Spacey delivers that dialogue it man it hits home like he does Kevin Spacey so really well good. he has um his. He has like also has the best death scene as well. Yes, but he's and he's so casually threatening, mm. and he's so brilliant. And when he do delivers those lines, they hit. They yeah. do the things I mean, they're and supposed that's to perfect do. Perfect casting because that's what Kevin Spacey does. Yes, but also John Hamm was a surprise to me in this movie because yeah, I John Hamm to me is just like a guy who's there most yep. of the time. He's never really impressed me. I don't like Mad Men. I'm sorry. I know you guys are going to. I get... didn't like Mad Men either. I got bored. Yeah, but. He went from the most kind of relatable, charming villain to the worst villain. Yeah. And he and he did it so well and he's so scary when he wants to be and mm. he's so charming when he wants to be. And he does it – he is a very – like it's a surprising turn from him when he changes, when he switches. Yeah, it's a yeah. surprising it's, turn. And it's well And done. it's foreshadowed but you don't think it's going to end up the way that it ends yeah, up yeah. anyway. Yeah. So it's so clever and it does – he – does a great job so those two are great yeah um and like yeah the soundtrack is good there are shots where i wrote in my notes about how gorgeously shot this was there's a f an elevator scene that is framed yeah. perfectly where the way that everybody is standing and the framing of it is is freaking yeah, amazing in a, a lot of sequences are filmed really well like, and and edgar wright can film action like nobody else in fact yeah that the sequence through the middle where it's like basically parkour sequence of Ansel yeah. Elgort running away through the city. And oh, so um, good. it is so good. And I just was – all I could think of watching that was like, I'm so sad we never got that Edgar Wright Marvel movie because imagine what he could have done with an action sequence like this in, in a Marvel movie. Now that you mention it, actually, the writing for women may not have been good because now I think of how Evangeline Lilly's Wasp wasn't going to yeah. be in that as much. Yeah. And it's not like he's particularly done well with any women in any movie. Yeah, but that that's – that sequence particularly that parkour sequence through the middle but the also so the opening good. bit uh, the opening sequence mm. i genuinely thought i was going to love this love the shit out of this movie because yeah. that opening sequence with the driving and the subaru wrx and the song and the song and it's the way the editing lines up and in fact um there's a bit in the middle where there's a shootout and they line up the beats of the song with the gunfire yep. or they line up the gunfire with the beats of the song which is yep. Amazing. And then the bit with the three red cars, like yes. when it slows yeah, yeah, down and you just get bit. to appreciate how – Yeah, no. I'm, that's in the opening sequence. Yeah. I'm talking about the opening sequence here. But, yeah, that, that whole opening sequence is so good and so, so clever. Good. And then he comes out of it and he's dancing down the street to the song that's on his headphones. Yeah. And the graffiti lyrics the, – the lyrics come up in on graffiti, graffiti on yeah. the street Very Scott stuff. Pilgrim, yeah. It, but it's really, yeah. like, fun and clever and it's only there if you're watching for it. Yep. Yeah. That's that, what I mean by the stylized elements are really good. Yeah. And there's a stylization of America that's really good about this that can only be done, I think, from an outsider's point yeah. of view. And it's very specifically set in Atlanta. 
Um, That's I wrote which city is this on and, the thing because <laughs> I didn't. Well, know. no, it's Atlanta, and they make a point of it being Atlanta. And there's a shot. They even, I don't remember them saying it. So. Yeah, they do. They say it a few times, and there's also they use a shot of the Atlanta highway system, which has got like this these interconnecting roads that are like three different levels of roads, and it echoes a shot from the Vim Vendors film Paris, Texas, which is where I think mm. of as, as using that. Also shot by a non-American looking mm. at things like the way Americans build their roads and just kind of sitting back and going, wow, this is both art and also terrifying, mm. right? And that I think was interesting actually setting it in Atlanta, although and, and it, it looks and feels like a real city. Um, we were just talking about Spider-Man and watching that I was thinking this actually feels like New York in mm. a way that other Spider-Man movies haven't and this felt like a real city where real people lived and worked and moved. And the sequence – Are we revisiting Spider-Man? Because then I have more things no, to say. No, we're not really. <laughs> Only in the context of we just reviewed it and or for our listeners we reviewed it last week and it, it – was in was in my head about the way American cities actually are compared to mm. what they are in movies, and I think that this was more like the city as it really is rather than what it is in movies. Although I will note that Atlanta is much more diverse than <laughs> is necessarily shown in this film. Well, actually, there's quite a bit of diversity. It's just not in the lead. Cast. Yeah, it's all in the background. Um, because um, there's the um who I'm looking up right now, the Asian character who I thought was the actor was great. Um, there's another person that I thought was really good. He mm. was very and very obviously Aiza Gonzalez. Oh, and John um, Bernthal was in the beginning, and yep. he was good. So why? Anyway, <laughs> yeah, the the good people are not the people that you would think. But yeah, I think it's an an interesting look at at Atlanta as a city, and I mean Atlanta. It's also a city where like Lanny no, June is the name of the a- right. Asian actor. No, where it's known we ha- where it's one of those cities where you have to drive as well. It's known for its really terrible traffic and all that kind of stuff. So it suits having a car movie, I think, in Atlanta and in the South. Um, I, yeah, I, I yeah. knew it was like the South because of Lily James's accent in it, but like I didn't, I I just didn't hear that um, yep. where it was, and I'm not good at knowing but where things are based on looking that at that sequence though, where where they come back from the first heist, and and he walks along to the song and he buys the coffee. It it's, does this great little bit of storytelling where he buys four coffees and he goes back and the coffee's not for him. It's for everybody else in the team. Yeah. And it's like this great little character moment that's not yeah, actually Yeah, and acted. it comes back later yep. when he buys a coffee for himself and the, yep. instead of for um for Lanny June's character who's been killed off. Now, the, the character I know is called something different, but I called him Hats because yep. um, he had this tattoo on his no, neck. No, Hats because he's character. You carry his character. Yeah, but the he's hat not called tattoo. that. He's called JD. Right. Oh, yeah. No, I called him Hat too because I mm. he had the hat tattoo. And it was Bats was Jamie Foxx's character because yeah. of the bat tattoo was tattoo on his neck. So I was like, oh yeah, it's Bats and Hats. Yeah. Um, he was Lanny June. I thought was great because he's really funny and he's mm. like the idiot of the team and he's the one who gets sacrificed and killed off to mm. prove the situation is serious. Yeah. Um, but in a way that's not like really superfluous because he's actually had an effect on us by that stage mm. because he was funny and interesting. Yeah. Um, and he bought the Michael Myers. The Mike Myers masks instead of the Michael Myers masks. Which is a mistake I have made myself. So I really appreciated that joke because I don't really know horror horror movies that well. So I know that the villain in Halloween is called Michael Myers, but I always think of Mike Myers as in Austin Powers. And they all do that joke. And I'm so happy that they did that joke. And then he's like, oh yeah, the killer in Halloween, Jason. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. And it's such a like film snob joke, but it plays off so well. Yes. Pays off so well. Well, it pays off so well because it's like, it's a film snob joke, but the film snobs are the butt of the joke. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I mean. Like when it's people who are doing a good job, Mm. the movie sings. It's so good. It all comes together. The problem was people like Ansel Elgort, 
who is a black hole of charisma. I swear I to God. I got so bored. When this he- movie was only an hour and 40 minutes long, you know. I was so yeah, you- bored. You said that when we watched Through something else. You were like, oh, yeah, it was only an hour and 40 minutes long. It felt so much longer. I was like, it didn't to it me at all. It felt really long to me. Any bits where we weren't having an action sequence or a car sequence, I was like, oh, my God. And see, it's I liked- him and Lily James as well. Like, there is one cute scene in the laundromat which must have taken some serious oh, choreography. It was so gorgeously shot and it reminded me so much of Dr. Horrible. <laughs> yes, me too, me too. But it's, um, so, it's them on the headphones and the camera yeah. spins around yeah. them. Yeah, and, oh, there's, this, and there's this great metaphor that runs through because he wears earbuds in his ears all the time because of his tinnitus because he, he plays music to kind of help his ears. And there's this really great metaphor about who you share your earbuds with, the intimacy mm. of doing that. And, then and when as, it's ripped away from when you. It, and later on in the film, people start ripping them away and forcibly listening to those earbuds um, even when he he doesn't give them consent to do so, and that scene in the in the laundromat, the Doctor Horrible scene, um, although it also reminds me of a scene I had to do when I played Romeo and Juliet once, and it, like the way the choreography happened and the turning and twirling around one another, it's so beautifully shot, and they share the music, but they move around the room as well, and like twirl, and it, the the camera moves around, and I'm not getting annoyed by it because at least twice in my notes I've written, oh my god, these twirl shots Amazing. they drove me nuts oh no they're so good no, i was dizzy i was getting dizzy i was like i can't just but stop sh- the fucking camera still for five seconds but you need to like it's it's that but i like those because they're disorienting but they're not disorienting in the way that like shaky cam is oh they were so, annoyed the crap out of me oh, well just like okay. stop stop keep it still but in that sequence it didn't bother me because it was so beautifully choreographed and that was one of the few nice scenes between the two of them because Neither of them is particularly charismatic. No, she is, this is extremely one note. Oh my god, she has one face from from Cinderella and this. Like she just is not compelling, and it, it is a, it's a serious problem with like you know with casting and it actors and things where you have to pick the right ones. And Angel Elvira and Lily James are not the right ones. I you should, should stop calling explain. him Angel Elvira. People <laughs> won't get that. No. Um, I sent Melissa a text message when I saw Ansel Elgort and Jamie Foxx singing on um, James Corden's show. And James, Jamie Foxx and James Corden were doing like a sing-off thing. It was really cute. But then Ansel Elgort came in and I was like, holy crap, he can actually sing. And if you know me, you know that an actor singing is one of my like, I am now like required <laughs> to like them. Um, and I just can't like him. But then I tried to send a text to Melissa that said Ansel Elgort can sing and my phone auto-corrected it to Angel Elvira, which I've now decided is his drag name. Um, and if he does drag in a movie and sings, then I will like him. At that moment, I will stop my, like, hate on for Ansel Elgort. But, man, he's not good. No. And like, neither is she. And so I got bored. Well, at least like, she's not acting rings around him like Shailene Woodley. No, no, that's true. But I just got bored. Yeah. The but great the, swathes of this movie where I'm just like, oh, my God, just make a freaking decision, you two. And there's so many people who could replace them is the That's thing. It. There are there's heaps so, of young actors who put are really- Dylan O'Brien in this movie. Yep. He's amazing. He can do action scenes. Stick him in there. Like, it's not like he's required to sing. So why cast Ansel Elgort? Hmm. And, th- and that's it. There are a bunch of young actors and actresses who are really compelling and really would have saved this movie. Because the thing is, if I had really connected with Baby as a character, because I, I connected with him a little bit and, and he got me through more than I think I would have if he hadn't been such a compelling character. But if imagine if they put a really compelling actor in there because when at the end when shit really started going down and Baby actually outright murders Jamie Foxx's character. Oh, yeah, but that was things would have so gone. So telegraphed. Yeah, but things would have got – but I would have 
like you I, it would have been a lot easier to stay on side with him once things got worse after that. I don't know. I didn't ever get off side with him, but only because the people that he was up against were so Kind of lost me when he took his stepfather, his uh, foster dad, and just like dumped him at this. Yeah, but that was better than any alternative because otherwise he would have died. Yeah, it was awful. That yeah. Anyway, it was really sad, but it was like a really sad that kind of hit home because he was like, I don't want to have to do this, and he was he was really pushed into everything. Yeah, I mean, and you kind of feel that if it was a better actor, you would feel it more. Yeah, and I I I agree with you. I also don't think that I ever went but like, I was also oh, he's a terrible person Extremely annoyed this. with Jamie Foxx most of the movie. Yes. Because Jamie Foxx was terrible casting. That was the worst casting in this movie, even worse than Ansel Elgort. He was terrible. Every movie needs – every heist movie needs that character. The yeah. loose cannon who is, like, really genuinely dangerous and you don't know what they're going to do. But well, he's he just the, um, wasn't good. Um, I'm funny how character. Yeah. What's his name? Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. Yeah. Um, he's the Joe Pesci character, and, yeah. and he was dreadful. And it needed that character, right? That character was needed, but it just wasn't well done. And no. they also kind of because they were I mixed up because they were also mixed up, and they had they had this wonderful turnaround from John Hamm's character yeah. as well. It kind of got lost in the shuffle. Well, see, I think if it was a better actor, that mm. oh, and he's a famous actor, but like if it was like say Will Smith. Will Smith oh. wouldn't do this. But if it was Will Smith, who's so charismatic and yeah. who's so watchable and he did that yeah. performance that's so scary and then he got killed so suddenly, mm. man, that would have been a shock. You would have yeah. been like, how Whereas is he's he not gets, the main He one. gets killed and you're like, oh, thank God that's over. Yes, because he's so irritating. Mm. And I think it, I just don't think Jamie Foxx is any good. And, again, I think this is a casting problem because, I mean, I know Jamie Foxx has won an Oscar. But I don't remember a movie that I've seen Jamie Foxx in where I was like, yeah, he was really good. Um, and I, I don't think, think he, I've seen enough of his stuff to think that, but he's definitely miscast in this part. And I think he's one note and I think he just kind of plays – like this just felt like to me I was watching Jamie Foxx do it, a silly yeah, impression. exactly. It's too much too fast. Like it's it's a comedian doing a role. Yeah. Um, and so there's none of that subject, which is why when John Hamm does his part, it's got a real um, – there's nuance to it. Yes. And um, gravitas and tension. Yeah. And Jamie right. Foxx is never there. Mm. He's a loose cannon, but not in a way that you're scared of him, in a way that you're, you're like, just oh my God, what is this him. idiot like, doing? Yeah. You're just like, oh, he's going to kill people. Right. Let's get rid of him. And it just takes forever. Um, but to yeah, get there. The, the Chekhov's pole thing, mm. um, where the pole is so in shot when he drives up and it's off center on that yeah, truck, and yeah. you're like staring at that pole, and you're like, yeah. that's going to be used to kill someone. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, it well, was yeah, and the final and the destination whole, uh, did that too. But yeah, and also we had all the shots of the car crash that killed a baby's parents as well, which is where the same sort of thing happens. Yeah, exactly. It was it was so mm. so tel- telegraphed and so obvious. I, I think I've written in my notes Chekhov something like twenty times in the last three <laughs> movies. But yeah, that it it was really it's really frustrating. But like all these twists at the end as well. The Kevin Spacey twist played out so well. Yes, because Kevin Spacey's this kind of. He's scary but genial in the whole thing mm. and you never know which way it's going to go. And in the end, it, it, it comes up genial yeah. in a really surprising twist. Yeah. Like he ends up rooting for our heroes because they're young and in love. And he was like, I was in love once. And you're like, wow, that's so different yes. from what you thought that was going to go. And that's good use of Kevin Spacey too because you use yeah. the menace and you use the um, charisma yeah. in a really good way. So, And like, you surprise people. Right. So – Again, uh, th- there were these real strengths to the movie and that was such a surprise and that was so mm. good. Um, and then that whole sequence was 
Oh, oh, good. Um, the car coming at Ansel Elgort and then him jumping over it and then mm. the backwards driving with the forwards driving and then ramming him off the oh, – The like, action oh. in this was so good. And and um, you see everything. Yeah. You get to see yeah. all of it. You, you, not just you can see everything but you understand the geography of what's going on. Yes. You, and I think it helps that this is not CGI. These yeah. They did the stunt driving and the stunts were done for real mm. and it really helps – because yeah. you see what's going on, you have a sense of the geography of the place, and particularly because that sequence takes place in the car park where that we've been to that that car park several times because that's where that's at um, Kevin Spacey's headquarters, and that's where we go. Um, yeah, we go back there multiple times, so we understand the way it works, and it, and this you, movie brings does a together really good all job the with exposition. That, yeah, and it brings together all the bits that have happened as well, like which reminded me of Mad Max Fury Road a little bit. Yeah, yeah, so it brings together all of that, but it's um. It's really – and it comes back to the place where all of this started and it's it's plot relevant and emotionally relevant and stuff. And there are some really good film references in this Yeah, to things you wouldn't expect. There's a Brazil reference when the two of them are driving at the end and he wakes up in the car. Mm. is a Brazil thing. All oh, right. Um, and Or I think it is. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of stuff like that that are just really good little clever references that aren't overt yeah. or over the top but uh, a nice well I think the Bonnie and Clyde one is a bit Bonnie and Clyde done yeah but it's um, but they call that I, I, they you do call can't it out do much with a with a, a heterosexual couple who are on the run from doing cops crime. getting killed and, in a but car also, yeah Bonnie and Clyde are a lot more violent and a lot more um purposefully violent against mm. innocent people than these guys are mm-hmm. um but when also when Lily James saves herself yeah. um is really good stuff like that if you had had really good I I was watching that going, I wish this was Zoe Kravitz, actually. Um, oh, yeah. Put Zoe Kravitz and I don't know, I'll, I'll have to think about who I would cast as Ansel Elgort because I have a lot of options. There's mm. a, oh, I said Dylan O'Brien. Let's go Dylan O'Brien and Zoe Kravitz. Mm. That'd be great. Mm. I'd like that. But Shailene Woodley could have done that too, but she is too big, I think, to do that role. But yeah. Yeah. Like there's so many young actors who are compelling that it's just disappointing. Michael B. Jordan. Put Michael B. Jordan in this. Yeah. That'd be great. Play, have him play Baby. It just doesn't. He's never. He also doesn't feel like who Baby is supposed to be. Yeah. You never kind of because his name is Baby. It's he's supposed to be like young and fresh faced and mm. that sort of thing. And Ansel Elgort just kind of always comes off as a little bit too smarmy to be innocent mm. and that sort yeah. of thing. And it, it's just not good. He's but when he's not talking, he's a lot better. When yeah. he's dancing or running, yeah, or driving. He's a lot better. Yeah. And he doesn't talk a lot in this movie, and, but when it does, yeah. yeah. And those are the highlights of the movie too as well. Um, oh, but that's that conversation that he has with Lily James on the phone is shot so well. She's so beautifully lit in that scene. There's so much about of, of this movie that is – it's so well shot. Mm. It looks – Fantastic. And it reminded me a bit of Hot Fuzz with some of that clever editing and clever sound editing stuff hmm. um, that make, made me think of Hot yeah. Fuzz. I mean, the sound is such a big part of this film. It's a film about someone with tinnitus. So, yeah. you know, obviously it's so well done, the sound edit, so and well mixed. The fact that he records conversations and turns them into mixes and then, like, that mm. becomes a plot point later was really funny. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just really like this movie on so many levels. I just, I, I, for me, only the only thing that I would do is recast some of it. Mm. Actually, if Jamie Foxx's character had been played by a woman, that would have been really fun too. Yeah, I'd punch up the writing. I think as well. I, I just don't. I think the writing was really good. I just think it needed better actors to deliver it, because really, like 
when it was good actors, I loved it. I loved the stylized dialogue. I thought it was great when it was good actors delivering it. John Hamm killed it with some of his, and some of those lines would not be good read, read by a worse actor, mm-hmm. as we can see with Jamie Foxx. When Jamie Foxx reads the lines, they come across as silly and like a parody. But when John Hamm reads them, they come across quite like scary, but also funny. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with um, Lanny well, John, June, who's John not Hamm a particularly well-known actor. Knows what movie he's in. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Jo- Jamie Foxx was in the wrong, was definitely playing to the wrong crowd. Yeah. He was chewing up the scenery in a role that shouldn't have been chewing up the scenery in that way. It's too cheesy. Mm. When they sh- have the shootout with mm. the butcher – and the guy who plays the butcher was doing such a good job yeah, too. He and was. he's not a well-known actor or anything. And he's, you know, short and he comes out and you don't expect him to be mm. the person who they're talking about. Yeah. And then he's like delivering these lines about the guns as if they're pork. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's really funny. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like when it's people who are good at delivering that dialogue, the dialogue is great. So I don't actually have a problem with the script. The ending is a bit meh. Mm. But I think if you liked the characters more, it wouldn't have been as eh. Yeah. Like you would have been like, oh, yay, they're together if it was two people that you liked. But when it's two people that you don't really care about, you're like, okay, whatever. They, she waited for him. That's yeah. swell. That's cheesy and slightly sexist and very 50s. Um, yeah, yeah. As his – well, see, okay. I'm going to go all um, – how did this get made on us here now? But I was like, oh, it's all a Jacob's Ladder scenario. Baby died. Yeah. <laughs> During the um, – when he was, like, oh. being attacked by John Hamm, baby died. <laughs> and as he was dying, this is all the imagination of him as he's dying that he, like, sacrificed himself for Lily James and then went to jail and then she was waiting for him as he got out. <laughs> sure. Sure. It makes more sense to me than the real ending. <sighs> yeah. Which just didn't pay off. You'd almost be better just not having it and having them drive off into the sunset and not know what happens. Yeah. No, it, I, I agree. It um, was- or have them just come up to the police barricade and not know what happens, mm. not know what's going to happen. Almost like, or Inception, it, have him reaching for the door and you're not quite sure what he's going to do next. Yeah. Whether he's going to sacrifice himself or whether he's going to shoot them or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, have something different mm. to the he went to jail for five years, he got out and she was still there. Um, yeah, in a car that looks remarkably like the car that his parents died in. Yeah, yeah. It, it's silly and cheesy and I didn't appreciate that. But the rest of the script to me was really good. Mm. Um, it had a lot of twists in it. It had a lot of really good – the hats, the hat hate thing is really funny. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of lines that are really, like, they're really good when they're direct- delivered by good people. There's just – you know, Jamie Foxx is rubbish and Ansel Elgort is rubbish and there's so much of them. Mm. And Jamie Foxx talks too much. <laughs> and that diner scene could have been filled with so much tension. It's shot right, it's written right, yeah, but the actors can't deliver it. Lily no. James's scared face isn't convincing. But that's because she only has one face. Yeah, this and whole the, movie. The the diner scene at the end is a lot better, but it, but that's p- large, largely because it revolves around John Hamm. Yeah, the first one revolves more around Jamie Foxx yeah. and Ansel Elgort. John Hamm and Aza Gonzalez mm. are there. And and she says, you haven't seen My Man When He's Angry, which is what I was talking yeah, about, yeah. the foreshadowing thing. Well, yeah. Yep. But you think that's going to end up being unleashed on Jamie Foxx, but it gets unleashed on Ansel Elgort. That's mm. such a, like, yeah, yeah. it's really fir- good use of foreshadowing. Yeah, and you hear that. Is that just before the bit where he's standing there in front of the car when Ansel Elgort's trying to escape at 2 a.m.? Is that just before? Yeah. yeah, it's just before that. And then they, then you see that and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you start to go, maybe John Hamm isn't the guy we thought he was. Mm-hmm. And they give him this whole like, 
white collar backstory via mm. Jamie Fox. Yeah. That you're like, oh, it's true. But then you start to go, maybe it isn't. Maybe that's not who he is. Mm. And it's really fun to the way the movie plays with those expectations. Mm. Um, because it does play with the expectations that John Hamm is not scary. Yeah. You know? And it really plays up whether or not he's scary. Is he going to be the person that you think he's going to be? Yeah. So solid. Yeah. This is what I like. I just don't. I think if they had gotten the casting right and they had put better people in it, it would have killed. Yeah, and I and I think if they it was also written better. I think Edgar Wright. Um, this is the first one that I've seen of his where he has done all of the writing and all of the directing himself. A lot of the other movies that we talk about, he's got collaborators, but most particularly Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, but also. Um, Oh, what's his name? Brian Lee O'Malley, who wrote um, Scott Pilgrim. Mm. So he, I think he might have benefited from having just just one of his collaborators help on the script at least. I think that would but have been a bit better. What do you not like about the script? The fact that it just dra- it drags when it's not uh, there's not action going on. And you you say that's acting, and it might be. I can't tell, but I just I got bored. I didn't like I didn't like the stylized dialogue oh, okay. as, the way that you do. I. But then again, again, that could be acting, right? It could be done well, but it, I didn't like the dialogue. I thought it was a bit too over the top. It was a bit too self-conscious about what it was doing. It was, and the movie references were too self-conscious and too overt. It, was, it sort of thought it was cleverer than it was um, in a way that I'm, I'm not particularly a fan of. See, again, I just think if it was good actors, it wouldn't have come off that way. It would Probably. have come off as much more like Tarantino-esque, stylized. Oh, there's this whole thing about nasal problems in the storyline as well that I didn't understand. That it was cocaine, people who use cocaine. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so it took me a couple of goes to pick that up, but yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I am obviously clueless about drugs and things. <laughs> I was just like, I don't understand what the nasal problems. I was like, is he like a nose doctor in his <laughs> real job? And that's why that keeps coming no. up. <laughs> He's able to hook them up with drugs. Uh, <laughs> that was the story. Um, yeah, but also shout out to this movie having a deaf actor play a deaf character. Um, that doesn't happen all that often. Oh, really? The, the yep. grandpa? The, the foster dad, yeah. That's right, foster dad. For some reason I just thought I just kept I calling him grandpa. I, I, it's um, No, I know why. It's because of Firefly. Yeah. Um, I thought it very early on and then I just kept calling him that because um, when Book first comes on mm-hmm. in, gra- in Firefly and he's like, they're like grandpa and he's like, I never had kids, I'm not a grandpa. Yeah, that, so that's um, actually pretty good. Because the sequences with him and the, I mean the fact that the two the two of them you know one with his hearing problems and one who's actually deaf have found one another and live together I I quite liked the um the relationship between those yeah two. I liked that too and that's why I think it really only falls down when it's only Lily James and Ansel Elgort and again I think that's a they they're both not charismatic enough to carry it off because mm. also when he said when she says like the B-A-B-Y baby thing, like it just plays in my head. Like these yeah. lines are things that are lines that stick with me. Yeah, it's that is quite an iconic line, yeah. Yeah, so I do think it's well written because a lot of these lines did stick with me. Who doesn't like hats? Stuck with me. Things like that, like the stylized dialogue. And, and when when they're all picking on baby and then Kevin Spacey goes, can you repeat? And he just repeats everything that's just happened. Yeah. Which A is something that I did when I was a kid. <laughs> But that's not the point. B is like it works really well. Mm. I just I think if they had really good actors, it would have all played off great. You know, I, I think if they had had good actors selling this dialogue, because I see it in this movie when good actors are doing it, it does come across really well. 
Um, yeah, I think it, it just lost me early on and I ne- it never quite gained me back. Fair enough. Mm. I actually, yeah, I think it was just I have to take stars off for the casting. I think the casting was poor. Mm. I think they were trying to get too many people who were hip or who were <laughs> hip, like I'm 50, um, but, you know, who are cool right now, who were it kids. Yeah. Rather than thinking about who is best for the movie mm. or like big names like Jamie Foxx is a draw card. People know mm. him, but he's not good in that role. It would have been better to get somebody who's not as famous like Lanny June, who I keep talking about, but he's the mm. one that I, sticks in my head the most. Yep. Who aren't as famous but who do better. And then it could have been a real classic to me because it has all the hallmarks of a real classic to me. Mm. It just isn't cast well enough to do it. To pull it over the yeah, edge. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Okay. Hmm. So my real only issue with this movie is the casting. And, you know, I'd like it if the women were better written. But at the same time, I actually thought if Lily James is, was a better actress, when she saves herself, we would have been more excited. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um. Shall we wrap it up then? Yep. What are you giving it? I'm going to give it, I don't know, I feel really generous tonight. And I'm like, four stars. I'm going to give it four stars. Right. I'm giving it two and a half. Wow. That's probably the biggest difference we've had in a long time. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find old episodes or the show notes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of Baby Driver or any of the other movies that we watch, uh, they're on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>